Howdy, you're listening to Think Brazos, a podcast dedicated to improving housing affordability, economic opportunity, and financial stability in Brazos County. Think Brazos is a project of Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Alexa. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Think Brazos and give us a stunning review. And just remember, think local, think Brazos. Your housing costs are impacted by policies at every single level of government. So housing's always on the ballot. That's why Think Brazos is excited to share with you these local candidate interviews so that you're ready to vote down ballot in the election this November. As you'll find out soon, county commissioners hold an important job. So you'll want to listen to this interview and the opponent's interview before voting in the November election. The two candidates running for this office to replace longtime commissioner Sammy Catalina are Jane Sherman and Russ Ford. In this episode, Charles Coates interviews Russ Ford, who is running as a Republican for Brazos County Commissioner Precinct 2. We'll leave a link in the show notes for his opponent, Jane Sherman's interview. Enjoy! We are joined today by Russ Ford, who is a candidate for the Brazos County Commissioner Precinct 2. Precinct 2. Okay, perfect. And uh, so he is he is running, and, and I believe it's November 4th is the election, right? Third, I think. All right. So probably the most important thing I'm going to ask you all day, and it is this. Where are you going dove hunting next week? <laughs> We've got an annual trip out to uh, Brady, Texas, near Brady, Texas. Oh, okay. Is that the hill country or a little bit? Past it's a little that? past. It's a little past the hill country. Yeah. So that would be past going close to Abilene, or I don't know that part of Texas as well. Yes, yes. If you can imagine, probably a triangle between Austin, San Angelo, and Abilene. It'd be somewhere near the center of that. You'll love this, but Brady claims to be the geographical center of Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Seems like everybody does. I mean, <laughs> well, Waco's the heart of Texas. Yeah, and yeah, it seems like everybody does. So yeah. you bring in your your whole family out there? Or? It's a family thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and y'all have a house there? Or? No, 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 no. We met years ago a gentleman out there who basically guides dove dove hunts, but he oh, has okay. uh, he's a big rancher farmer out there and has twenty five parcels that uh, he can move us around to where the birds are. So it's always uh, cool. How do you say opening of dove season is like a rite of passage. In right. Oh yeah. It was in uh, South Carolina where I'm from too. Oh, you, and they do yeah. that everywhere. So <laughs> well, that's cool. So I wanted to give you first, just an opportunity to say a little bit about yourself and about, you know, some personal things about yourself and then we'll go into why you ran and that sort of thing. Very good. Charles, I've lived in the Brazos Valley since 1978. How do they say I got here as quick as I possibly could? But I feel like that we live in a little slice of heaven here. I mean, my wife is a Brownwood native, and uh, the trees are so scarce out there where she's from. They water the mesquite trees for shade trees. So she thinks she's in heaven here also with all the green grass and the beautiful trees. And, of course, what we love, being an Aggie, uh, we love A&M athletics, but the fact that we've got the major university here, it brings a lot of culture to town. I'm not saying that I absolutely know a lot about culture, but I do love from time to time to go to a, uh, a Broadway show on campus or whatever. So, yeah, it's this is a wonderful place to live. We feel so lucky. We've got three daughters, all graduates of Bryan High School, and two of them are A&M graduates, by the way. 
but we feel like that they have a real hometown like my wife Vicky and I did when we were growing up and what a great hometown you know what I'm saying I mean we've got very low crime here it's a tremendous place to live trying to think I own property out in Curtin we've lived there we think it's even closer to heaven uh, even than the two cities here but we love Bryan and College Station both very cool Actually, I live, I don't know if you're familiar with, yeah, you would be if you live in Curtin. I live on 1179, a little bit on the outskirts of Bryan. And uh, yeah, we love it out there. How do you say you're living, you're living the dream, brother? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we love it in the county. And that's, that's one of the reasons I was excited to get to follow and right. interview folks for this county race. Cause I know that you guys, whoever wins, you know, is going to have the ability to impact the rural side, you know, that's right. County, which that's is exactly deep. right. And, and what I will tell you is Brazos County is a very fast growing County. We have so much university land in the County, which we have certainly don't collect any taxes or anything like that on. We're not considered a wealthy County, but we're a very highly educated County. And you're absolutely right. My focus, because I work for an engineering company is going to be on infrastructure, particularly our county roads and bridges. And uh, one of my goals is to get the county to using an asset management program where they do condition assessments and then project based on risk how long that bridge or that roadway is good for and then when do we need to uh, repair and or replace it. So that's key. But I never want to forget that I also serve the citizens of both cities, you know, and, and I don't think that they use the county roads as much as you or I do being out in the county. However, they're very interested about being able to get goods and services from either the producers or the oil people into town or into a major highway. So our county roads are very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I did want to ask you this question before we get in maybe more details. Tell us a little bit about when you first decided to get involved in politics and what caused you to take the plunge and say, yes, I have to do this myself. I need to run. That's a great question. What I'm going to tell you is my parents have been actively involved in Republican politics up in Falls County where they live in Marlin for years. My dad, and then later my mother was the county chairman for the Republican party up there. So I guess it's always been in my DNA. However, because they were so involved going to national conventions and state conventions, I sort of shied away from it. I was too busy raising a family and making a living to get involved in politics. So if you can imagine, probably been 15 years ago now, but Commissioner Catalina was my neighbor out on Democrat Road in Curtin. And whenever Dwayne Peters, who's now our county judge, gave up that role as county commissioner, I went down and spoke to Sammy. And and I'm sure a lot of his friends did this. I'm not taking credit for getting him to run, but I spoke to him and I said, Sammy, I would love to serve. Someday I've got a heart to serve, but I just don't seem to have the time right now. Would you do this? So I was involved in getting Commissioner Catalina to run the first time. Shortly after that, I was on a trip up to Colorado with John Rainey, a dear friend of mine. We go to church together. And John got the call that our state rep at the time was retiring, resigning in the middle of his term. And a group had impressed upon John that he would be perfect to run for state representative. So what I laughingly say, my dad had him in a headlock while I was threatening to punch him if he didn't do it. But I worked on John's campaign. I was his campaign treasurer in all of his campaigns. So the minute that we get John elected, and I think that I've pretty much finished my political career, 
they redistricted and John was no longer my state representative. We had a brand new district out there. So the county judge and my dad and I met one uh, Saturday morning up in Hearn at the Dixie Cafe with Kyle Cassell and uh, tried to talk Kyle into running for state rep, my state rep position out there. And uh, we were successful in, in working for Kyle and getting Kyle elected. So just through my friendships, if you can imagine, I almost got drawn into to politics. Well, uh, about five, six years ago, it became evident that to really influence what goes on in Brazos County, that I needed to become involved, more involved in the party. That's where the real decision-making happens. And then, of course, we always want people to vote in the November election, but they don't realize how important it is voting in the primaries and everything. So I ran and have served as a precinct chair for voting precinct seven since that time. So how do you say I'm up to my elbows in being involved? And then when Commissioner Catalina passed away, uh, I went and spoke to his family and to the judge and, and to other people involved and told them that I feel like I'm uniquely qualified for it from the standpoint that back between my college careers, I actually ran a pavement testing lab for TxDOT and worked for TxDOT on roadways. And then when I got out of college, Charles, I went to work for a company here in town, R.B. Butler, which was the largest construction company in the county at the time. They're no longer in business, but building bridges. So if you could imagine, for the last 20 years, I worked for an engineering company And one of my focuses have been for our client cities and client counties to set up asset management programs for them. So I I feel like I know infrastructure, I understand asset management, and how do you say, I really feel like that I'm well qualified to serve as county commissioner for Brazos County. For our listeners who, you know, may not really know and follow county politics, what would you say are kind of the main tasks of a county commissioner, the county commissioner's court, what is it that they do? Okay. I feel like that they are or should be asset managers for the county. In other words, we not only have a system of roads and bridges, but we have county buildings. The sheriff's department gets their funding through the county government. So our jail, if you can imagine our district attorney is a part of the county. So I feel like the county commissioner has got to be really good at asset management, but also to understand budgeting. And uh, I'm personally interested in keeping our taxes low here. I think we've got a very low tax rate and we've got a well-run county. Our county judge does a tremendous job. However, Charles, the companies and agencies that I've been involved in in my career, and I'm 62 years old, every, every time I get involved, if you really go through those budgets with a fine tooth comb, usually you can find about 5% excess. In other words, where you wouldn't change the services, you wouldn't change the quality of life there in the county, but you could save a little bit of money. And I think it is important that we, particularly during this pandemic, that we keep our taxes low. And another thing I I will add, I know I'm sort of taking the the ball and running with it a little bit, Charles, I apologize, but I have served as the county's representative on the Central Appraisal District Board of Directors for the last several years. And what I'll tell you is those people do good work there and they're very fair, you know, using their formulas and everything. However, when the legislature capped tax increases and also appraisal increases, that doesn't go into effect for the appraisal district, I think until next year. And my own personal property taxes on the two houses that I own out in the country, 
the appraisal went up 25% this year. And what I believe is, even if the county, as a commissioner, if, if we lower our taxes, but the appraisals go up, the net differential that I'm paying is still an increase in my taxes. You can frame it any way you'd like, but I feel like that most citizens are like I am. And that is, is that we're almost taxed and feed up to our limits. You know what I'm saying? When it gets into your, into your butter and egg money and mom has to decide between shoes for the children or paying the taxes, that's not right. So I'm going to work diligently with the other commissioners, I might add, not that they're doing anything wrong, but I just think we can look for efficiencies and excesses and hopefully keep, keep the line. I don't know how familiar you are with other communities in the state, but I'll give Austin as an example. For the last 10 to 15 years, especially, what you're seeing is Austin has become totally and completely unaffordable, to especially its lowest income people. So what you're seeing is a dispersion of the lowest income people that work in the service industries in Austin moving out into, there's no such thing as a rural part of Travis County anymore, but moving to Bastrop, moving to these other locations. I envision this county as being one where if things don't change, you're seeing more and more of an influx of people that need more affordable housing moving to places like Curtin because both cities are becoming so unaffordable. Yes. And we actually see as Habitat, if things don't change, we see us building quite a bit more in the county out of having no other option. What, if anything, is the county doing to prepare for this influx, which I see coming? And uh, how do you view this future of people in search of affordable housing, trying to find it and trying to find it in the county? First of all, I wanted to thank you and your people there for the work that y'all do. I think that home ownership, not only is the American dream, but once you get people that own a home, they become stakeholders in the community, they're taxpayers, and they're involved. So I could digress just for a second. But when I was in college, we bought a mobile home and, and moved into it. And that may be the very worst investment that I ever met in my life. And I'll lose votes from people that are in that industry. But what I believe is, is that mobile homes, because they depreciate like a trailer from the day you move in, it is a good way to keep poor people poor. In other words, and and how do you say, I've experienced it firsthand, that shock, you feel like you've got home ownership and you really don't. It's mm. it, So I think that the work that you're doing is amazing. Later in the interview, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some other things that I'm aware of that dovetail beautifully with what you people are doing, but you're, you're changing lives, obviously. And The county, I don't know that there's a great movement right now. I certainly won't find out unless I get the opportunity to serve what their real intent is. But what I see, for example, in Kerr County over in Kerrville, my engineering firm did some right-of-way acquisition for them. They are installing wastewater lines out in the county. And honestly, for you to be able to do what you want to do, which is to have subdivisions, you can't have those with one acre or three acre lots And I've just installed a septic system. And I don't know if you've installed a septic system or or been involved in that. I was shocked at the expense. So, yes, I think to really promote growth out in the county that we've got to have better services. The other thing I'll tell you, we live in Curtin and don't have Wi-Fi. Right. uh, It's one of the things that you just understand when you move to the country. 
uh, we use a satellite system and pay, I think it's $163 a month for their best service. And it's still horrible. My wife can't work from home. And during the pandemic, where little kids are trying to go to school from home, or I'm trying to work from home, we need high-speed internet or Wi-Fi out in the country. And I believe that it's possible. I've heard of other counties in the state that use the local power companies, their utility and their lines and everything to supply that. So while I understand that Habitat families may not be as interested in internet service, with the pandemic, they've got to have it. You know, it's important. So yes, I think that we can get water out to the county. I think that we can develop roads and or access, but until we get a wastewater system, I'm sorry to say, I don't think you're going to be that effective. So I think it's it's really important. Well, we actually just are finishing up our first home where we are building on an acre of land out there that is actually owned by one of our clients. And so they come to us with the land, we build the house on it, and we build the septic system. So okay. yeah, it's an additional cost, uh, but when it really comes down to it, for a one-bedroom apartment in, in my barn that we've added, I believe that my wastewater system cost in excess of $15,000. Golly. And it's got a maintenance program that the county requires me to, 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 to keep on, too. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's expensive. But I, yeah, I, you talk about affordable housing, and then you just tack, you know, a fifteen dollars to $20,000 price tag on the end. Yeah. It makes it somewhat less than affordable, Charles. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that, yeah, we've got some, I think there's a, a good amount of collaboration between the county and the city that I think needs to be maybe discussed in the future in terms of where are these people going to live, I guess. Because if they can't go out to the county affordably, but they can't stay here, there's something to think about, you know, for the future. We need, we need to be visionary and understand that that's an important part of our growth here in the county, you bet. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the main challenges that you see from a county perspective? And if you're given this job, if you are elected, what would you do about them? Okay. What, what I believe is that we are not a wealthy county. If I've discussed this before, I apologize. But I do feel like with the large amount of Texas A&M University property, you know, the county doesn't collect any tax whatsoever off of that. So in other words, we're not a wealthy county that can just go and frivolously spend money. However, I do think that with our U.S. congressman, the outgoing one, Bill Flores, who's a fine, fine man, but also the Republican candidate for U.S. Congress, I think that there probably are some grants and some programs available for, for us to help develop the county. And I think that's the vision that we've got to have is, how to make Brazos County even, even better. With that being said, I'm going to dovetail this into what I really was hoping to sure. talk to you about. My cousin, Jay Metter, works for the COG and the Chamber of Commerce doing financial counseling for low-income low families. And a part of their goal is to get people, first, learning how to live within their budget, secondly, to save money, and lastly, to become homeowners. That's what they want to do. So they work very closely, and Habitat is one of their bright, shining stars because you and I both know what you do. You don't offer a handout to people at all. They've got to have sweat equity. It's a, I think your, your verbiage is it's a hand up, not a handout. So that's, that's exactly what my cousin works on every single day. And, yes, I am a strong supporter of Habitat. I presume that you've already got advocates in the county, but if elected, 
I'm promising you, you can count on me to be a strong advocate for what you people do. It's, it's the right thing to do. That's great. No, we appreciate it. And we're always interested in finding people that believe in Habitat's mission. So we appreciate it. You understand that if elected, I would need to work closely with somebody from your group and become even more educated on what a county commissioner can do to help. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And we definitely have some ideas as far as things that maybe could be done that would make, uh, I won't go into it today, but no, no, uh, that'll make possibly make what we discussed earlier, this issue with more folks having to go out to the County potentially make, you know, make it something that is a little more affordable. So yep. we're excited yep. to talk. Affor- affordable and attractive to them. You living out on the County, you know, there's benefits from living out yeah. there. You've got to make some trade-offs. It's not, absolutely. you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, Absolutely. So is there anything else you'd like to leave your potential constituents with those that will be voting in November or October, uh, leave them with as far as about you and what you stand for, anything like that? You bet. What I'll tell you is, is that several years ago, I finally realized that what people really like is honesty and honesty over harmony. In other words, if you've got somebody that always tells you what they what they believe you want to hear, that's great. And you come away from that feeling good, but if they don't take action on it, you really gain nothing there. So A, honesty over harmony. The second thing is, and Commissioner Catalina was this person, I want to be a man that does the right thing even when people aren't looking. In other words, not for the accolades or not for the recognition, but because it's the right thing to do. And then lastly, I think it's important that we continue the programs of keeping our county taxes low and also making this a place that we can afford to live. It's a wonderful place to live, but if we make it unaffordable, you know, nobody can enjoy it. So that's, that's kind of who I am, Charles. I will tell you this. I, uh, I want to be involved. I have a heart to serve. And the last thing I'd like to leave you with is when you vote for people, whether you realize it or not, you're voting for somebody that you think cares about you. You know, and that's the one thing I can tell you is I'm a person that empathizes and understands I'm self-made. You know, I didn't, I didn't make my money the old fashioned way and by inheriting it. And, uh, you know, we've had financial hardships along the way. Fortunately, we worked hard. We've been successful. We're in a great country where you can accumulate some wealth or some savings, but I'm not a guy that thinks that, uh, that it's easy. It's not easy. And I, I guarantee you these single moms or young families, that's a tough job. You know, I mean, we should really help them every way we can. So how can uh, someone get in touch with you if they want to help with your campaign or if they want to donate or anything else? Absolutely. We have a website. Just go to Facebook and look up Russ Ford. I'll friend you if I, if I get a request from you. But even more than that, and this is something that I want to continue if elected, I'm going to give you my cell number, my personal cell number. And I'll tell you that I'm up until 11 o'clock every night. You can call me till 11. If you've got a problem or an issue, call me. I'm not saying that I can fix everything, but I'll don't sure listen. And I'm a good question asker. I will advocate and try, and try to get people answers on why things are the way they are. I, I do think it's important that we don't just continue to say that's the way we've always done it, but instead ask questions and try to figure out how we can do it better. Uh, my cell number, Charles, you've got it already, but it's 281 386 7611. Okay. 
Well, again, this is, uh, we've been speaking with Russ Ford, candidate for Brazos County Commissioner, Precinct 2. Uh, Mr. Ford, thank you so much for being with us. Charles, thanks for setting this up. Appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Think Brasses. Be sure to check out our other interviews and let us know what you think by leaving us a review. And when you're at the ballot box, just remember, think local, think Brazos. <laughs>